Good morning. And as you can see, I'm not in my shed this morning, but back here at the King Centre. And I have to say, I am very, very much looking forward to being able to welcome everyone back here in due course uh, as soon as we're able. Uh, for now, we're going to turn our attention to the letter to the church in Philippi, which is our series at the moment. We've talked quite a bit in recent weeks about the context for Paul as he wrote this letter, which is that he was in enforced confinement, which we can very much relate to, even though actually he was in a Roman prison. And we've talked a bit less in recent weeks about the situation for the church in Philippi. Uh, and that, but from this letter, it, it seems like this church uh, was made up of, of really good people, but who faced two particular challenges. Number one, they did face suffering. Uh, and secondly, they also were disunited. So what we're going to see in this morning's text is that those two issues, suffering and disunity, are both addressed through one command. And that command is to stop grumbling. To stop grumbling. So let's read the text. We're reading in Philippians chapter 2 from verse 12. I'd encourage you to find a Bible and to have the text in front of you as we read it now and as we go through it step by step in the next few minutes. Therefore, Paul writes, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you'll shine among them like stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor in vain. But even if I am poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and I rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. There's that constant drumbeat that we've heard in this letter of rejoicing, even in the face of suffering. So what do we have here in these few verses? Well, we have a brief explanation of how we move forward with God's purposes. We have this key command, don't grumble, don't argue. And then some reasons why that command matters. So let's take those in turn. Firstly, how do we move forwards in God's purposes? Well, very simply, we do it together with God. He has already taken the initiative, and that invites an active response from us. It says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you. See, God is already at work, and we're told to work with him. 
This reminds me of Graham and Helen Hitwell, whom we sent as a church from Oxford to Milan in northern Italy about two years ago. So they are ahead of us in this battle with COVID-19. They were in lockdown before us, and actually their church will start meeting again next Sunday, albeit with three meetings instead of one, with people needing to book their slots in advance, uh, and also having to wear masks and gloves. And that's not what this verse reminded me of. It reminded me uh, that Graham and Helen, now part of the leadership of that church in Milan, uh, are in a team which is called the Collaboratory the collaboratory, which means the collaborators, which literally means the co-workers, those who work together with others. They're collaborators now, and these verses in Philippians invite us to be collaborators to work with God. As he takes the initiative in our lives, as he instructs us, as he empowers us, Now, please note exactly what the text says in verse 2 and what it does not say. It does not say work for your salvation. It says work out your salvation. And what that means is that we don't try to live right in order to make God favor us, but rather we live right in response to the fact that he has already favoured us by sending Jesus to be our saviour, to be our healer. It's always been that way with God. In the Old Testament, he chose to make the Hebrews his people and then gave them commandments to follow so that they could live according to his heart. That's how it is for us to today. Writing to the Christians in Philippi, Paul says, work it out. God has already made you his own. So now get into the groove. Since he's already made you his own, live like God's children. So then how are we called to live? We come to this command, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Don't complain. Don't demand to be pleased. Don't fight to make your will prevail. This follows on from the verses that we read last week, which said, be like Jesus, who was submissive. And that literally means, submission means take the low place. Put yourself underneath others. Note there's a difference between submission and subjection. Subjection means that someone else takes us and puts us in the low place. Submission means we take ourselves and we place ourselves in the low place. Now, Jesus has the most beautiful character of any man who has ever lived. And and he oozed submissiveness. He submitted to God. He submitted to the needs of the people that he met. He submitted to death. And this submission, it's, it's a beautiful thing. 
in men and in women. It's beautiful because it allows for love. It makes space to prefer other people to ourselves. And verse 15 in this chapter tells us that when we live like this, we are living out, we are working out our identity as God's children. It says, verse 14, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Verse 15, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. And Sounds wonderful, but it's, as we know, quite hard in practice. Uh, I was sent a testimony just this week from one of our church members living in a shared house, and I'd like to share it with you. She wrote this. I was getting very frustrated with housemates who seemed to mess things up as fast as I cleaned them and who just didn't seem to realize the stress it was causing me. They'd leave things soaking for days on end. And I tried to raise the issue and got nowhere. And so I keep on cleaning and washing up with more and more of a grudge. But I felt God say, who are you serving? And I realized that I was serving myself. And once I shifted my attitude to are clean to bless my housemates with decent living conditions or I'll wash up my housemates stuff so that they can have a rest or even God sees the efforts I'm making even if no one else seems to appreciate them then it was remarkable how much peace I felt what a great testimony so We've seen that this submissive attitude, it's beautiful. You see that in Jesus. And we've just heard a testimony about it bringing peace. But Paul actually lists two other reasons why it matters. Firstly, verse 15, at the end of that verse, it says, Then you will shine like stars in this generation. Paul says, our willingness to take the low place and to prefer others is not only beautiful in God's eyes, it will be radiant in the world's eyes. Well, that's a great encouragement. And then his second reason is in verse 16, where he says that then he will be able to boast on the day of Christ. If the Philippians live like this, he will be able to boast on the day of Christ. That phrase, day of Christ, is a reference to the judgment day that awaits all people. Paul writes that the Philippians' behavior will make a difference for Paul on judgment day. Now, our behavior will also make a difference on judgment day, not just for those who have instructed us in the Christian life, but for ourselves too. Hmm, how does that work? Well, it's explained most clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 to 15, which say this, each one should take care how they build. If anyone builds on a fa- this foundation, that's the foundation of the gospel, 
using gold, silver, costly stones or wood or hay or straw, their work will be shown up for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives the fire, the builder will receive a reward. But if it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. So the picture here is that the quality of what we do in this life is subject to judgment, that anything that is not of value is destroyed, and anything that is of value is carried forward into eternity as a reward. And so, as Christians who have been accepted by the Father, we know that on that day, we are forgiven all that we do wrong. And our personal, our personal future is secure. We're forgiven all that we do wrong, but we will be rewarded for what we do right. Put in another way, our good deeds will be celebrated beyond this life. Ha. Our Thursday night applause, uh, in which we thank and celebrate NHS workers, is in some ways a foretaste of heaven. In heaven, all submissive lives, all who take the low place and prefer others without grumbling or complaining or arguing, all such lives will be celebrated in heaven. On our street, there's a little boy who lives with his parents just opposite us who hasn't been clapping on the Thursday evenings, but instead banging a copper pan with a wooden spoon, and the sound has rung up and down the street. Um, last week, he hit the pan so hard that he broke the wooden spoon. And, and we loved him for it. <laughs> now, if this Thursday evening habit is a picture for us of heaven's joy, then let me say that, that many spoons are going to be broken in the jubilant celebration in eternity of the, of the non-grumblers, of the lives laid down, of God's children who determined to live their lives in love. So how might we respond to this morning's text? Well, first and foremost, it makes me want to say sorry to God um, and to ask him for a softer and more submissive heart. Uh, I think it's likely that you will feel the same way. And so we're just going to take a moment now for us each to bring our own failings and our hearts before God, asking for his forgiveness and asking for his help.
Thank you, Father God, that you forgive us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you bore and you died for our sins. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're working in us to fill us with love. Amen. Amen. Now, when this live stream ends, uh, it may well leave you with a few things still to process. Uh, perhaps you still need to pray in response to Lois's prompts earlier during the sung worship about things God wants to touch and heal. Perhaps there's someone in your life to whom you need to apologize for your grumpiness, for your complaining and arguing. Maybe something else. Whatever it is, uh, please this morning, don't rush away from your screen, uh, but take, take a few more minutes to resolve your personal next steps in working out your salvation. I'm going to finish this morning's live stream now by praying for you. May the Lord bless you in lockdown and keep you if you're returning to work. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and fill you with his submissive love that his character would also shine out from you. May the Lord be gracious to you whenever you struggle and fail and seek his aid. May the Lord continue to turn his face towards you that you may know him and in the face of many anxieties and fears may he give you his peace. Amen.